following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. And we're joined by Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. We are 53 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football. Gentlemen, we're getting closer and closer by the day lance hope you're doing well we appreciate you being in studio man absolutely dude and yeah you mentioned 53 days away a little bit closer for that for week zero i am just ready for college football to be back sec media days is next week and once we finally get through that it'll really start to feel like football season yes it will and it will get here before we know it uh lots to talk about today we will talk some auburn football recruiting uh here in this first hour also we'll talk some more about those sec media days participants when it comes to auburn and kentucky of course with lance hosting the locked on kentucky podcast uh we'll also talk about the news carter i know you really want to talk some more about this the fact that yeah. uh, northwestern made a move in the football program so we'll talk a about lot of that people, uh reach out to me to get my thoughts or tell me that uh at least i have something to uh, talk about with my other school mm, well we will definitely talk about that that's what's coming up here in hour number one then in hour number two buckle in because lance is in studio that means it's time for more schedule game that's right we're picking off the teams throughout the sec two at a time until football season gets here i'm uh, talking about all the teams in the sec CC breaking down their schedule giving our predictions why some will be good some will be bad and some will be right there in the middle so that's coming up in hour number two Mississippi State and Florida are on deck for today so excited to talk about two teams that you just don't know what we're going to get out of those two programs this year so that's what's coming up in hour number two phone lines are open questions comments concerns for us or Lance Dahl 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 let's jump into this Lance yesterday the SEC announced the participants and the players that will be in Nashville from Monday through Thursday for SEC media days Uh, Auburn has three seniors going Uh, we will talk about those guys and then of course the guys that Kentucky is bringing as well Uh, your reactions to just all of the players a lot of big names a lot of big quarterbacks going to be in Nashville next week your thoughts on who all will be there representing their teams as players in Nashville next week well like you mentioned for Auburn it's going to be a lot of seniority and you had you come to expect that I think typically when you look at some of these different SEC teams just across the board you know bringing in kids to show what their program is about you're going to want to bring in leaders as far as Auburn goes I want to ask you a question, Jacob, before we get into this. Were you surprised by any of these, honestly? I mean, for me, it was kind of like, well, I'd like to see this guy, I'd like to see this guy, I'd like to see this guy. But at the end of the day, wasn't very shocked 
by it. Cam Stutz was the only one that kind of threw us off oh, a that, little bit. That one did, because I I think in, in everybody's minds, Jeremiah Wright was locked in to probably that left guard spot. Yep. Then he had four names vying for that right guard spot. Jaden Muskrat, the Tulsa transfer. You had Cam Stutz, Connor Liu, and Tate Johnson. I think in most people's minds... Cam Stutz was running fourth, and this to me indicates he's going to start. That's what it seemed like because you, you we talked about this the other day, how when you bring players to SEC Media Days, you want them to be, A, have some sort of seniority and have experience, right, whether it be at your program or a transfer like we see Auburn doing with Elijah McAllister. Um, but with Cam Stutz, that was a surprise because I agree with Carter. I don't think we had him as a starter up front on the offensive line, and yet here we are. He's coming to, to Nashville to talk about the upcoming season, and I don't think you would want to bring, if you're Hugh Freeze or any coach in the SEC or any coach in college football for media days in that matter, but you would. I don't think you'd want to bring somebody that's not going to start because then – Think about what SEC Media Days is. We're all about that, right? That's what mm-hmm. we do. You're asking these guys questions about the upcoming season, about the coaching staff, about how the season is going to play out. Why would you bring a guy that's not going to be a starter or a significant contributor to answer those types of questions? Because not that their answers wouldn't be reliable, but they wouldn't be as... I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. They wouldn't be as legit as a a starter answering those questions and so I do think it shows a lot that Cam Stutz is going to SEC media days for Auburn that's the one Lance that has surprised me Elijah McAllister think it makes sense um didn't play a ton at Vanderbilt but he's a senior he he played more than you think he just didn't have crazy stats right his stats weren't crazy but he comes in as a senior transfer in the SEC I like him coming to Auburn and get and coming to media days as well I think it gives you that interesting perspective of somebody who's been in this conference who's been in this league but also has a new perspective on Auburn and then you have Luke Deal the tight end and I think that's a we have mentioned that name I think that's a great option uh Lance we were surprised to see two from the offensive side of the football and one on the defensive side we thought it was going to be flipped who did you think that Auburn was going to have on the defense I thought there it was, was a Jason, handful. I thought it was gonna be Jason Jones yeah. and and McAllister. I thought those were the locks. So I said I was talking about this uh, with some people over at Auburn Daily. We wrote up actually who we thought was going to represent at Media Days, and I just tossed out as seniors on the defense: Nehemiah Pritchett, Jason Jones. I thought that those may be two guys Auburn considered. So Pritchett, my thing with him that I always come back to is he's quite literally the quietest human I've ever been around in my entire life. Like, his talking normal volume is a whisper. And I don't think he loves to be in front of a microphone. Which is an important factor when you take a guy to media days. I don't think Auburn's DBs, interestingly enough, which I feel like is almost backwards of of what you see see at some other places. I don't think Auburn's DB room really loves to be in front of a microphone all that much. I, I I don't feel that way. I wonder why that is. Like I don't I don't th- I don't view DJ as a guy that loves it. Jalen Simpson I don't I same Keontae Scott maybe has the most personality of of that group in turn if you were to put him in front of a microphone. But I still don't think he loves doing that. I think you look at Deal Elijah McAllister Camp Stutz at the end of the day. 
older guys makes sense, I think, across the board. It'll be interesting to see how Stutz is handled in this offensive line rotation, though. If Auburn was going to send, kind of go, coming into this decision, we talked about it on Friday, if Auburn was going to send two offensive players, I thought the three to pick from would have been Luke Deal. That one made a lot of sense to me. And I think we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets this year yep. than we have in a while at Auburn because Deal's ability to block, he can catch some passes, yes, but the flexibility that Fairweather gives you in the athleticism, mm-hmm. he's going to be on the field a lot with Deal. I thought it was going to be Deal, maybe Javarius Johnson, that one. But he's kind of quiet too, man. I mean, and then Avery Jones, a fifth-year grad transfer center, somebody who at that center position is going to take a leadership position, has to because your center always does. And with the way that he, I have heard he's impressed people uh, in the in the football building, I thought he might have a chance. Of course, the knock there is then you'd be taking potentially two guys uh, in McAllister and Jones who just got here in January. But, I mean, half the team did. The thing that, for me, is I just didn't think they would bring an offensive lineman. Nothing against the guys personally on the team, but what's been the biggest gripe of Auburn fans and coverage of Auburn football in the last couple of years is the offensive line has played pretty poor and you look at last year's offensive line it rotated so much and there's so many question marks on the offensive line I just thought it would be tough for them to decide who would represent if you had to take one from the offensive line I mean I guess this is a little bit of a message being sent that hey could be this is a new era yeah the offensive line it's, it's going to be gonna good. Be this weakness, right? I mean, when's the last time Auburn took an offensive lineman to media days? Did they take Braden Smith? Yeah, I think they did. Okay, yes. so it'd be Braden Smith, and that'd be what? Fourteen, maybe fifteen. I think it was a couple more years, more years uh, after that. Fair I enough. Think. But still, but it's still, been a long it's, time. It's been a hot minute. It's, been it, a long it's time. normally not in the place Auburn goes when it comes to player representation. I will yeah. say, Cam Stutz will do a great job representing Auburn. He's oh, a yeah. very personable so. guy, very funny. Um, I think he will do well yeah. uh, in Nashville with that group. I mean, McAllister was a lock to go in my mind because there may not be a more impressive human being in the SEC than McAllister. Talking about a guy who's currently working on his PhD. He already has two degrees from from Vanderbilt working on his PhD. He runs a nonprofit. He just went back up uh, to New New Jersey to do a charity event for with or like a camp charity event for kids in the area that he's from. Like he is everything right with the Auburn football program with modern intercollegiate athletics. Everything right with the current state of NIL in mm-hmm. in college sports because he's leveraging it in an unbelievably positive manner. And I think Auburn fans will hear that, and I think the media will hear that next week when it comes from McAllister, Luke Deal, and Cam Stutz. I think all three guys are going to represent Auburn very, very well in Nashville. Lance, I want to ask you about the Kentucky representatives that are going to be there. Um, you have Eli Cox, the senior offensive lineman. Octavius yep. Oxendine, is that how you pronounce that? The I defensive believe, it's, lineman? It's either Oxendine or Oxendine. I've, okay. I've heard it both ways. Uh, he's the senior I, defensive I, line. May, maybe I misheard that, but I swear you said it the same 
same way twice. It's uh, either oxendine or oxidine with without the end in there. It's spelled with the end. I swear it sounded the same when you said it twice in a row. I'm just screwing with all of you. That's right. The senior defensive lineman, and then JJ Weaver, the senior linebacker. So two defensive and one offensive. Surprised at who Kentucky is taking with Mark Stoops, and are you impressed with who's going to be representing the Wildcats? JJ Weaver has been here for so long, and I think he is a phenomenal representation, as you mentioned, uh, Carter, about what is awesome about college athletics. You know, a guy that, (laughs) believe it or not, has six fingers on one hand, and I think has done a lot of great charity work uh, in the past. He's a super cool dude, and he's also been a phenomenal outside linebacker for the Wildcats for I think literally like five years now. So does it give him an advantage? I was just about to ask that. I actually I feel like they've done they've done. like videos about this before i don't think it does well that's lance's first question next week in nashville yeah what about what about the six jj but but as far as six finger what's up with that (laughs) what's up with that (laughs) oh man but no i'm not surprised by any of these at all eli cox has been here for for quite some time and oxendine has also uh, been here for uh, these are guys that have been around the program for the multiple years that i've been covering kentucky and been talking about them for quite some time so not surprised by any of these i think these are all very three very solid picks for the Wildcats. Devin Leary could have been an option given just how I'm a long surprised he's been around. That he's not. But I do, I do like the selections that Kentucky picked. Fair. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I'm just like, would well, that be because quote unquote quarterback battle? I don't think that's a thing. No, it's, it's. I don't think it is either. It's not. But. It's not quarterback battle. I don't think. I think it would just be you've got a, a senior guy in the room that just understands what's going on and is proven in interviews to be very professional and very straightforward and and how and how he talks. Mm. I, yeah. I like his personality compared to some of the quarterbacks Kentucky has had on their rosters in years past. Yeah. I mean. I. I mean. Another theory, maybe his stapled together pec muscles not as good as we thought. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Somebody will ask him about it and he'll get scared. Here's maybe my question to you. Octavius Oxendine. Yes. Best name at SEC Media Days? Ooh, okay. Who The other contenders to me are Quinshaw Judkins. By yes. the way, which how about that? He's the, only, He's the sophomore. only sophomore. I thought we were going to get to that. This is the second time that I can recall off the top of my head where Lane Kiffin has gone out of his way to bring the youngest player uh, in the SEC to media days. He brought Matt Corral, I think, as a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. which was crazy to me. I have a name to throw into the ring. The offensive lineman from Georgia, Cedric Van Pran. I like Pretty that good. one, too. Cedric how, Van Pran. How about South Carolina's it's not, And it's Tonka? not spelled Cedric like C-E-D-R-I-C. It's S-E-D-R-I-C-K. Mm. Tonka Hemingway. Tonka Hemingway. My man's name is Tonka. <laughs> You've also got Jaquavius Marks, so I think that's a, that's a great skill position player name. I think that's great for Mississippi State. Quinshawn is also also elite as well. There are yeah. several good options here. You also have Makai uh, Wingo, Kingsley Eguikin from Florida. That's dope. I oh. mean, they're like there's some good ones, and then there's some Kool Aid, really boring ones. Kool Aid is obviously a great well, answer. That's a nickname. I I. That's like if if you if Big Cat Bryant was going for Auburn, I wouldn't count him. Like Tank Bigsby, can't yeah, count him. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, Tank has been called Tank his entire life. Kool Aid became Kool Aid more like senior year of high school 
freshman year at Alabama that just became the locked-in name. What is Tank's real name? Cartavius? Cartavius. Okay. I put Tank in that same room with, like, Booby Whitlow when he was here. It was Jatarkos Whitlow. Don't you dare put them in the same room. <laughs> I'm saying just, like, you have the name like that. Cartavius still would be on this list. Let's be real. Fair. That That's very be. fair. Well, some big names will be at Media Days next week. Excited to uh, hopefully talk with a lot of them, uh, but I definitely wanted to get Lance's thoughts on who Auburn is bringing and, of course, who Kentucky is bringing as well. When we come back, we'll talk about what seems to be the biggest news in all of college athletics especially on the college football front the fact that Northwestern trying to scramble and figure this thing out it's a disaster in Chicago right now we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line You are on the line on ESPN 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We have Lance Dahl in studio of Locked on Kentucky and Auburn Daily. Plug everything you got. Tell everybody where they can find you, man. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow my show, the Locked on Kentucky podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And you can also check that out on YouTube. And then AuburnDaily.com is where you can find all of my written work covering the Tigers. Well, yesterday we touched on this a little bit because, again, it's one of the uh, it's one of the biggest storylines in all of college athletics. Uh, it's it's the biggest storyline college football, college sports, really. And we got some more news yesterday uh, about what has happened at Northwestern and given all of the controversy, given all of the events uh, and just all of the media coverage that's been on this thing, uh, Northwestern, they fired Pat Fitzgerald, the longtime head coach for Northwestern football. Oh, he's the greatest coach in program history. Yeah. He was the third longest tenured coach in college football mm-hmm. how, how long was he there 20 he was going into year 18 okay 18 okay i knew it was it was the, close the only coaches who've been at their schools longer are kyle whittingham at uh utah who took over after urban meyer left and then of course um i'm we're drawing a wild blank on it but everybody's favorite uh iowa coach uh kirk ferentz thank you your homeboy so Carter son is the most hilariously bad offensive coordinator. He has to average time. 25 points a game, if I'm not mistaken, this year, correct? He doesn't have to average the 25 team. points a game. The team does, which keep in mind, their special teams and defense has done so much scoring because it's always so good that it's cheating, man. It really is. It may be one of the things that I'm watching the most this college football season. Can Iowa get to 25 points a game? <laughs> Can anyway. Iowa get to the threshold? <laughs> um, well, with, uh, and we said this yesterday, with all of this Northwestern stuff, if, it, if any of it is true, it's extremely yes. sad, disgusting, just horrifying. If any one piece of it is true. Mm-hmm. But that's really where this all gets murky is – what all is going on, what all is true, what all is being, quote, made up, right? Because allegedly, a lot of hazing was going on, Pat Fitzgerald was a part of it, or at least knew about it, like, there's so many different aspects to this, and Northwestern and him had a meeting, they suspended him for two weeks in the summer, which doesn't really do a whole lot, and then yesterday, the yesterday evening, 
Northwestern announced that they had fired head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Carter, I want you to, to, to take the floor on this because obviously Northwestern is your specialty. You're a grad from there. You covered them for a long time. What do you make of all this? As soon as the Daily Northwestern story came out, I knew that this was what was going to happen because right or wrong, we've seen Northwestern do exactly this before. A few years ago, I think in 2021, they hired a new athletic director. Uh, Maybe there were some, some things in his background that maybe they shouldn't have hired him. Public backlash forced him to resign and them to restart the whole process. And as soon as I saw the story come out on Daily Northwestern, I figured Pat Fitzgerald would be fired in some capacity. Um, And here we are. It's happened. This entire thing is so messy because no matter which way it it goes, it's fairly sinister because the players on the team are essentially alleging that this former player created, organized these upset former players and organized an entire plot to try to take down Pat Fitzgerald. One of them went as far as to say that 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 player told him he wants Pat Fitzgerald to, I think, like rotten jail or something, Uh, which if Pat Fitzgerald and these claims, if if these claims are false, holy cow, that is a different level of messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. If this is true, how the heck is this going on? Like, what? This is different levels of messed up the other way in terms of like, why is that happening in a program? It's only going to get messier because Pat Fitzgerald put out a statement yesterday. He's hired this massive law firm to defend him. Uh, the the same law firm that I think had the lawyer that spearheaded. The Austin case in front of the Supreme Court that the NCAA lost nine to nothing. Mm. They, the, this law firm employs the attorney that I think spearheaded that case that beat the the NCAA. I've heard that. Interesting. This is gonna get messy. Oh, it's gonna this get ugly. Him putting out a statement and him fighting back against it is a little bit different to me as of right now than what we're seeing with Bob Huggins because Bob Huggins did a bunch of dumb stuff like just un completely unforced errors and then got trying really to weasel his way back it. in mm-hmm. Fitzgerald has to defend himself in my mind uh, because his entire reputation's on the line and if he's legitimately innocent clear of this whatever it may be yeah like it would he be well within his right to fight against this the way we put it yesterday and i still think this is true no matter what happens there's no winner there's no winner there's no good way out and i think the two things that is that have to happen in this whole northwestern situation you have to find out what's true right find out what actually happened if anything actually happened right because you just don't know. I think something more than likely you're probably right. Happened, and and I don't know to what extent, and that and that has become a very big point of emphasis is what is embellished, and I think the wording that the team used in their letter uh, twisted and embellished. Mm-hmm. 
that's what's important is you have to find out what happened and what is not true find out the facts and the false and the other thing you have to find out is how much if any did pat fitzgerald know yes those two things yes. you have to find out. So clarify this for me really quick, because I read the first two initial reports, uh, or at, least at the very least skimmed over them. Was this hazing that was going on specifically inside the football program, or did yes. it have anything to do, no no fraternities involved whatsoever? No, I believe it was specifically inside the, the football program. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, you've seen some pretty prominent Northwestern players. Greg Newsom, who's one of the best safeties in college football a few yep. years back, he came out and said, like, None of this is true. Mm-hmm. And he he addressed the, the, the claim that came out yesterday that there was a culture of racism. He's like, that could not have been further from my experience. Um, something I will say, to me, Northwestern football, in terms of any chance of being relevant, signed their death warrant kind of with this entire situation. Because one way or the other, who... Yep is ever going to want to be the coach there and who is a good enough coach to take it's already so hard to win there Mm -hmm. who's going to be able to do it Mike Kafka's not going to leave the offensive coordinator job for the New York Giants to come right now to take over that job and that's the problem and I've also seen big time people within Northwestern say to stop the production of the new football stadium so all sorts of things going on at Northwestern right now. Lots more to talk about, though, when we come back with Lance Dahl of Auburn Daily and Locked On Kentucky. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We've got Lance Dahl in studio of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. And let's talk a little Auburn football as we saw a commit from over the weekend for Auburn football. Uh, We also saw a commit pick up a fourth star and a massive Big Cat weekend on the rise in just a couple of weeks. By the way, uh, literally right after we we brought it up, the Athletic just tweeted out an article. Oh boy, Mike Kafka might be the dream candidate for Northwestern, but who else could re- replace Fitzgerald and Evanston? Is there a list? Uh, I can pull it on there. Yeah. Oh god. Is that O on there? Open the article, hit Command F, and then type <laughs> Harson. <laughs> I oh. hope not. That would be the actual worst. Well. Who is in line to there take the Northwestern the job? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. Hang on. You, you, oh, you I was no, I was I was saying in your opinion, in your mind, you're the Northwestern. Somebody, guy. okay. I just got a text from from a former boss of mine uh, saying, "What about Tommy Reese?" I don't think Tommy Reese wants to mess with that. Who if would? If I'm an up and coming coach at all, why would I want to sniff that job right now? No, 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 uh, Carter. I don't think I don't think you get it. He needs to do it now before the football season starts, and it just leaves Alabama in a place that they can't escape from. That's now, what we though, need. though, who could Alabama go find to come be their knight in shining armor to fix that offense? Ladies and gentlemen, Urban Meyer, oh, uh, Brian Harson. Hey, hey, <laughs> Brian Harson. He was pretty yeah. good at Boise. <laughs> hey, I, I think he needs a job, right? Oh my goodness. Well, once you get that. Uh, if you were able to get that pulled up, I'd be interested to see who's on that list for Northwestern potential head coaches. I'm with you, man. And we'll get to Auburn recruiting in just a second, but I'm with you. Who in the world wants to touch that right now? Who Jack, wants to get anywhere near that? Jack just texted us and said, um, 
Terry Bowden, which, no, <laughs> that's not <laughs> happening. There's a very, very, very short list of coaches that A, would be qualified to do that, B, would want right, to do go. that. Mike Kafka, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Not a wow. chance. No, no way. way. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. No. <laughs> Mike Elko at Duke. Okay, no. These are all, ste- no. no offense, Carter, these are all step downs. I, I agree. And the current state of things, heck, if I'm Willie Fritz, I'm not leaving Tulane for, for Northwestern. Wait, Absolutely on. not. Jacob, walk me through what do you mean they're stepped down? They're worse than Pat Fitzgerald as a coach? No, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm no, saying no. From, from the program, program they're at. To Northwestern it, and the current state yeah. of affairs. Yeah. The job is a step yeah, down for all of those names. There's no chance Clawson would leave the stability he has at Wake Forest right now, seemingly. I mean, he's, he's, he's got to be what their best coach of all time. <laughs> got to yeah. be up there. Mike Elko Matt has Campbell is their best coach of all time to really take this Duke program and turn it into something competitive, which is shocking to upset, say about Duke. When football. they upset Clemson in Week One, dude, Josh Pate keeps talking about that. You keep talking about that. I keep reading it everywhere. It's just like it feels like it's more and more of a thing that's going to happen in that game. Kate Clubland, Klubnick by the end of the year is going to be a better quarterback than Riley Leonard. In that game, Riley Leonard is going to be. The better quarterback, and I'm not sure it's going to be close. Can you give me a Riley Leonard stat line for that game? I'm so sorry to take this off on a tangent here, but Ooh, I, I just let let's me, do this and let's go. Let me pull up Riley Leonard, Leonard's stats from last year. He was, I think, their leading rusher, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, you know, he's a daggum good athlete. He ran for 699 yards last year. Okay, he threw for 2,967 yards, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. He had 13 rushing touchdowns, by the way. Don't think I knew it was that many. He will throw. All right, I'll give you this. In that game, he goes fourteen of twenty. Th- or no, no, no. Sorry. Write this down. Twenty-four right. of thirty-three. <laughs> mm-hmm. He throws for two seventy-eight. Two touchdowns, one interception. Rushes for sixty-seven and two touchdowns. Jeez. And they win the game. Against Clemson week one? Yep. Well, write that down. Put that hey, put that on the wall. Write that on the sticky note. Put it on the wall over there. Because <laughs> we've got a whole a whole list of things that we've written down. You're Mike, not alone. Mike Elko took a three and nine team from twenty twenty one and went nine and four with them. Ain't no Gus Mouse on though, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no Gus Mouse on. Gosh. Uh but yeah, they've got Willie Fritz. No chance at 63 he wants to leave Tulane to go try to build Northwestern back up from the depths of the pit of the pit of misery. We're going to hit that re- that reference again. I think that we would just have to to just start start a revolt and just tell Willie no, you can't leave. Chris Creighton, the Eastern Michigan head coach. I mean, maybe he's been to five bowl games, just is coming off a 9 and 4 season. I get it. You may feel like you don't have a shot at other Power Fives for some reason. But surely you can hold out and find something better right now. Right. Northwestern's going to have to find somebody, maybe even like a coordinator somewhere. Sharon Moore, the Michigan offensive coordinator. There you go. That's that's what I'm saying. You're going to have to find a coordinator somewhere that is willing to take the risk of a Northwestern job to get their big break at a Power Five school. If I'm Sharon Moore, I'm sitting here thinking... We're about to have our best offensive year since Harbaugh's been at Michigan. 
It's about to be Harbaugh's best team. Legitimately, I'm not saying it's likely, I think this Michigan team might actually have a chance to to actually win a win a championship, hmm. a national championship. Which, if that's the case, then that would put him in a spot to get, get a better a bigger, job. Yeah, you'd get a better job. Yeah, you better believe they it. They have Tommy Reese on the list. I'm just going to say this. I think Tommy Reese might be A-OK sitting tight in Tuscaloosa. Tell You can correct me if I'm wrong. Northwestern still owes Fitzgerald money, right? Well, well they've... In the current situation, I there's no way they don't fire him for cause, right? Right, but what happens if he drags this out and somehow he gets them well, to pay him some money? Million dollars That's left. what I'm saying. And so how much money do they have to hire somebody else? How much money well, can they give a new head coach? The last name on this list, and the Eastern Michigan coach, and then the last name on this list, feel like feasible options to me. Paul Christ. He's not doing anything right now. No. <laughs> I mean, he he just got fired at his at where he played ball. He's somebody who I think could do something there. Would he take it? Why not? Where mm. who is gonna hire Paul Christ right now? Nobody. A year out of the game. Who else is gonna hire him? Would that be uh, it, this may not even be an option for Northwestern. I was going to say, would that be settling? But I don't think Northwestern has the option to settle. You just have to get whoever the heck you can that is willing to take that job. So yeah. maybe. Uh, frankly, frankly, I'm a little surprised because he is going to be the interim for this next year. The North Dakota State defensive coordinator who just took over. I'm surprised he's not at least on the list so, with that interim status. I was going to make the comment earlier. Can we just put NDSU in the Big Ten, take Northwestern out, and just you know maybe have a more competitive team in there just for hey whoa 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 (laughs) northwestern has won the big 10 west i believe what two of the last six years it's true how many teams could say that not a lot (laughs) how many teams could say that they've won the big 10 west twice in the 2000s because wisconsin's dominated that division yeah uh, they they have three 10-win seasons in the 2000s, I think. By the way, Minnesota defensive coordinator Paul Christ, make it happen. Uh, let's, just, let's just throw that out there. Just, Why? Isn't Paul Christ an offensive coach? Uh, no. <laughs> not, in this, not in this world. <laughs> he said not at, Min- not not at this, Minnesota. He's not. not. In Minnesota. <laughs> let's make not it happen. Not at Minnesota. I'm, I'm 90% sure Paul Chris is an offensive coach. Oh, I'm joking, my but like, let's be serious here for a second. What offense has Paul Chris displayed during his time with the Badgers that was like, oh, that's competent? Pretty much nothing. Uh, you mean when they had like 2,000-yard rusher after 2,000-yard rusher for like What did they average? But, years? Couldn't, but couldn't do anything with it. Because you're Wisconsin. I know. That's Maybe, what I'm saying. Okay. A receiver Wisconsin has had in the last 30 That's years. That's going to get completely thrown out the window if if <laughs> this year with Luke Fickle, they just completely turn things around offensively. Because he's an offensive guy. Yeah. Well, Luke Paul Fickle Chris is, is an not off- an offensive guy. No, he's not. He's got Phil Longo. Luke Fickle's a defensive guy. Well, he, got, he has good offenses. He knows how to run it. He knows how to coach defense. He's he's done a great job hiring assistant coaches his entire career, which, which, which is fair to him. Which is fair. He brought in Phil Longo, which yes, it's going to be the most explosive offense that that Wisconsin's ever had in the past. Or well, not ever had. I don't think that's a fair statement. In recent memory, in the last twenty five years. But the the biggest knock on Phil Longo when he was at UNC 
was, yes, his offenses were so awesome, but they suffocated their own defense. Because well, they scored so fast. Well, Ask Gene Jizzik about it. He's got yeah. Wisconsin's hey. defense to back it up. Why isn't Gene Jizzik on the list for a potential head coach at Northwestern? Guys, is Wisconsin mm-hmm. going to win the national title with this combination of offense and defense? Can we write that down? <laughs> write it on the on the paper with the stats that Li- Riley Lin- Leonard's going to have. Also, um, just random side note, Joker Phillips and Tony Gibson are on the same team right now in college football. Would you like to take a guess before Carter looks it up? Hmm. This is just, I promise you, I'll, I'll get back to what we're talking about. Cincinnati? It's comparable in terms of how good the team is, but it's a Power 5 school. Cincinnati's Power 5 school. They are now. They are now. <laughs> they are now. Um, I don't know. Minnesota, because you, you brought them up? <laughs> NC State. Wide receivers um. coach Joker Phillips. Let's make him Northwestern's head coach for a year. I just want to see what that looks like. Mm. Man, like, I, there's, to me, it was going to require a ridiculous amount of NIL money and you completing the new football uh, stadium. But right now, I don't see a path back for Northwestern. Because to me, this, this isn't a Baylor situation in terms of you are located in the state of Texas yeah. where you are surrounded by talent. And you can go find that lucky coach, like Matt Rule, who can bring you back from the depths. Right now, I, I don't think that exists for Northwestern. And let's just be honest. When college football eventually gets to its inevitable end of two major power conferences, is Northwestern going to be in that conversation? I don't think so. So we've seen expansion of conferences. We have not gotten to this point. There will come a point in time where conferences cut members. Mm -hmm. We've seen members leave conferences like the SEC. We saw Georgia Tech leave. We saw Tulane leave. We saw Suwannee leave. But at the end of the day, those were all decisions those schools made. At some point... We're going to see a conference just say, hey, you're kind of trash. Get out. And it's coming. It's going to happen. And right now, Northwestern's not in a great spot for that. They're going to be one of the first ones to get the boot. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do an SEC Big Ten challenge every single year for the next half decade. The teams with the worst records or the overall point differential will get booted out of the league. That's how we'll do it. And Northwestern will be gone. Vanderbilt will probably be gone. And Not this year. Actually, no. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the two worst teams uh, play each other. The worst team for the Big Ten, the worst team from the SEC, and the team that loses gets booted. The other one gets to survive. Relegation system, SEC Big Ten challenge. I love (laughs) this. Love Uh, it. Now, Vanderbilt at least has some stuff they're good at. I'll make this point. I've said this for a little while now. Tell me one thing Missouri's good at. Tell me one thing. The only thing they're good at, and they don't even compete in that in the SEC. They haven't won an SEC championship since they won the SEC Volleyball Championship in 2014. In any sport. I didn't agree they're with them coming in the first everything. place. I didn't agree with them coming to the SEC in the first place. They, had a, they finally had a good year in basketball. Finally. But Kobe Brown's gone. 
I want to I want to see what that team looks like this next year. I think they'll still run and gun. I think they'll still be. They are. Like, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. No, but I still think they'll be good. I think they'll still make the tournament. And uh, well, are they in bracketology? They are not. Hmm. So I was about to pull that up. I Joe Lenardi. We talked are. about this before the show started. Does Joe Lenardi know anything? Anything? I, I don't know, but he doesn't believe in Missouri. Yeah, and well. neither do I. <laughs> don't sleep on Dennis Gates. Well, this segment was all over the place, but I enjoyed it. And we covered multiple things that needed to be covered. We will talk about Auburn football recruiting. We'll wrap that up on the other side when we come back. Wrap up the first hour talking just a little bit of Auburn recruiting with Lance Dahl because coming up in hour number two, it's schedule game with Mississippi State and Florida. All that coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour, we are going to talk some Auburn recruiting really quick, I promise. Uh, we have Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily and want to get his thoughts on the uh, commitment from over the weekend for Auburn football. We have that, plus you have another guy that picked up his fourth star, according to On3. Mm-hmm. And so, Lance, I will let you uh, run with this, man. Your thoughts on what Auburn has done lately on the recruiting trail. Yeah, so like you mentioned, Bryce Kane received his fourth star for the Auburn Tigers over this weekend uh it was i think this was something that was coming you saw how he performed at one of auburn's camps just a few weeks back if you got to see some of those videos if you didn't i would highly encourage you guys to go and try the try and find those on on youtube or twitter very very impressive route running and for for a guy that only stands at i believe at like what 511 he's somebody that if you go and watch his high school film he plays a lot bigger than his size and i know that's a really cliche thing to say but this kid goes up and gets 50 50 balls i mean he is just a complete well-rounded receiver he's got speed i think he's got a little bit of physicality to go along with that shorter stature i'm impressed with what i've seen from bryce kane and i think i might have actually come on this show and said this either it was to you guys or it was to Zach Blackerby as to how I was surprised at the fact that he was only a three-star receiver and that it was eventually just going to come uh, where he was rising higher in the rankings, and here it is. And it seems like we have talked about that, that exact same conversation with numerous guys in this recruiting class including the guy that committed over the weekend yep. Emily Blockton yep I think Blockton's gonna be a very very solid player do I think he's ever gonna be an all SEC type guy probably not but I think he uh, will, will be a starter at some point a very solid one I think he could be a draft a draft caliber player at the end of his time at Auburn. The man as a D lineman, I mean, he's been racking up the numbers, 109 tackles in three seasons, three tackles for loss, eight sacks at Pike Road. And then you look at his offer list, 11 SEC schools, Alabama as well in there, USC, Oregon, Clemson, some other big names here that were that were looking at him that had offered him. I mean, it was a very extensive list That's of no impressive joke. teams that had, that had uh Reached out to Blockton, Texas as well. I, I didn't mention them, uh, who was, I believe, the other team that was competing against Auburn for Blockton's, Blockton's services, I should say. So it's, uh, it's a big-time name, I think, if you talk about the other teams that were pursuing him. But like you said, is it going to end up being an all-SEC caliber player? I think it's too early to say, but projecting it out, I mean, I, he projects out to be another solid piece, uh, at the very least in this 2024 class as it stands. 
Yeah, and when I look at when I look at that, I think he is a he's another piece to to this recruiting class that seems like it is slowly starting to to build up for Hugh Freeze and Auburn in 2024. And I mentioned earlier, Lance, Big Cat Weekend yep. that's coming up at the end of July. You look at the list of the guys that are going to be on campus in Auburn that weekend. It has potential to be. And I say this with full confidence. It has potential to be one of the biggest recruiting weekends ever for Auburn football. So here's some of the big names, uh, in case you have not seen them. Five-star K.J. Bolden, safety. Five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson. And that will be, I think, what a lot of fans are keeping an eye on over Big Cat Weekend, the current Alabama commit. How does he end up uh, coming out of Big Cat? And his buddy right below him on the list. Demarcus Riddick, five-star as well. Bradley Shaw, four-star linebacker. Jacorby Hopson, four-star linebacker. Four-star DB, Zaquan Patterson. Four-star DB, Jalewis Solomon. And then Jalen Crawford, who is uh, has announced that he will be uh, announcing where he is going on July 15th. Uh, that is something I think Auburn fans will be wanting to keep a, a I think, look at as well. I think by the time we have you on the show next, Jalen Crawford will be an addition to the Auburn commitment list. I concur. I concur. Four-star DB Jalen Hayward, four-star running back Duke Watson, four-star D lineman TJ Lindsay, almost a Trey Lindsay. Uh, there are a plethora of high-profile names on the plains for Big Cat Weekend. I'm really, really interested to see what Auburn does with these four-star guys, but it will really be, uh, I think, uh, a massive deal for Hugh Freeze if he's able to get one of these five stars. And I would assume Auburn has the best chance with Perry Thompson, but who knows? Yeah, and that's where you you start looking at these guys to make a splash, right? That's yeah. something that Auburn fans talk about a lot. They're looking for they're looking for that guy mm-hmm. to make a quote splash, make some noise when it comes to committing to Auburn in 2024. And you better believe Perry Thompson's at the top of that list. He he is absolutely like project a a a like he is the go-to guy right now for Auburn. well with the loss of cam coleman to texas a&m it, it could indicate two things either that texas a&m just truly was in the race all along and we just didn't know it or Auburn's going harder after perry thompson and that's the guy they end up with here it's a long way to signing day yep long way to signing day and big cat weekend just around the corner hour number one in the book stay tuned though schedule game coming up in hour number two Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Burt. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of our number one, uh, we talked about a combination of things. Uh, we talked about the SEC Media Day participants some more. We talked a lot about the Northwestern news with Pat Fitzgerald and what in the world is going to happen up there at Northwestern and and figure out what's true, what's not, what's the future hold for that football program and what's it mean for the rest of college football. Uh, So we talked a lot about that. We are joined by Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily. He joined us in the first hour. He will remain here in hour number two. So if you missed any of that, go and catch up with the podcast. You know how to find it. ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. But as promised here in hour number two, we're 53 days away from the start of Auburn football and we continue our schedule game with Lance Dahl as we go through every SEC football team coming up in 2023. We break them down. We give you our thoughts, picks, and predictions. Uh, It's been a lot of fun so far. And we've gotten through uh, four programs. We've done Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Texas A&M. And we just are slowly moving through the SEC, knocking off a couple of teams per week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this week is Mississippi State and Florida. We will start with the Bulldogs. And, guys, it's one of those things where you just don't know what Mississippi State's going to – what are you laughing at? I'm laughing laughing at at the statement you made before we got on here because I'm looking at it. I don't know how we're going to get to where I'm going to find a way to make it happen because I'm just I'm going to find a way to make it happen. But where I was going with that was Mississippi State this year is is probably it is the biggest question mark in the SEC, but possibly the biggest question mark in college football just because of the. A uh, tragic passing of Mike Leach. We know what he meant to that football program, what he meant to college football in general, uh, and the impact that he had on obviously the offense for Mississippi State with Will Rogers, who is one of the most talented quarterbacks in all of the SEC, uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. And so, where does Mississippi State go from here? That's the big question, and that will be a lot of the the focus next week in Nashville when Mississippi State rolls into town is where do you go from here in the post-Mike Leak era? Well, I think it's going to be a, a little bit easier year one for Zach Arnett because of what he's bringing back on that offense. Will Rogers, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Insert Carter's comment about the noodle arm here with Rogers, but I, I genuinely do think that Rogers is one of the better signal callers in this conference. How far I love him. you you do love him and I do. his noodle arm? Okay, I do. <laughs> so but he was awesome in the air raid. I like. I think last year I said he was the best quarterback in the SEC. So that's the asterisk Maybe behind Bryce here. Young, I think. <laughs> Best quarterback in the air raid offense. Now with probably a little bit more of a balanced system, I would say, for Mississippi State. Statistically, I don't. obviously I think there's going to be a drop-off, but what he actually does performance-wise, I think it's going to be interesting how Arnett and how this team forces him to play differently or do they play around his strengths and i'm just curious to see what how that results how those uh, how that translates to results here on the schedule 
You look at the schedule, and we'll go ahead and jump into this. We'll start with Mississippi State, and then we'll get into the Florida Gators talking schedule game. Uh, Reminder again, I said it once, but we've already done Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Texas A&M. Let's start breaking down this schedule a little bit for 2023. You go back to 2022, Mississippi State went Mm -hmm. 9-4. They were 4-4 in conference play. They ended the year, if you remember, on a three-game win streak uh, that included a win over Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl and a just a thrilling victory over Illinois, nineteen to ten. So that that is how Mississippi State ended the season, and then we know what has happened in the offseason. coming into twenty twenty three. I just don't you don't know what to expect. That's got to be the biggest statement is you just don't truly know what we're gonna see now. You do have Will Rogers, like you just talked about, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference that will help you. And you would like to think that Coach Arnett is going to focus the offense and build his offense around the best player on the team and Will Rogers. Yeah, and then you've also got a guy in your backfield that I think State's going to be really reliant on, whether it be throwing the football to him or running it with him. A guy that's going to be at media days, just Jaquavius Marks, who has been a really solid, uh, versatile piece for them in that backfield. And they've also got a couple of different receivers coming back as well that I think are going to be valuable pieces for them. It should be a decent offense. I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off here. I, I just I don't see it translating. I really don't. I mean, you, you lose your second-leading rusher, your leading receiver. Uh, you're changing schemes to a scheme that I don't think is going to fit. Uh, it's going to fit Will Rogers nearly as well. I just think that this offense is, this offense is set to take a step back, and I don't think the schedule does many favors for him. See, I disagree. I don't think the schedule is as bad as you're making it out to be. Well, there's a pivotal game that I don't see going their way right now, and then when that happens, I think it can fall apart quickly. The thing with the offense, I've said it, I just don't know. But you have Will Rogers, so which means you can't be that bad if he's your quarterback. On the defensive side, you look at what State did defensively last year, they were not a terrible defense. I mean, yep. they they were solid. That's a great coach. They were solid on the defensive side of the football. Like, they only gave up 22 in a win to Ole Miss. You held Illinois to 10. That doesn't say much because it's Illinois. Um, Take away the Georgia game, which you're talking about the national champions. You did let Auburn put 33 on you, but whatever. You held Alabama to 30, which that's competing. You let, you know, 27 to Kentucky, 17 versus Arkansas, 24 versus A&M, and a route in that game. I mean, this team on the defensive side was decent enough to at least keep their team in the game more times than not. And I think that carries over into 2023. And as we start schedule game with Mississippi State, we'll all give them the win in week one against Southeastern Louisiana yep. at home against in Starkville. Then you look at this schedule, the first three games of the year, you're at home if you're Mississippi State. And I think that is a really, really big factor here yeah. when Arizona comes to town in week two. Yeah, the thing, the, the number I think that I'm really keying in on here for State last season, they were third in the SEC in yards per play, only behind Alabama and Georgia. I mean, the, the defense was solid. I think it, Arnett, competent coach. I think they're going to carry that over into this season, uh, at least similar statistics, I think, is what we're going to see. 
And I think that's going to prove to be very valuable to a team that's trying to adjust on the other side of the ball for these first couple of weeks. Arizona, I think, is a fun team. Jaden Delora is a very fun quarterback. He's really good. They threw the ball around the yard all over the place, and they lost their best receiver last year. But what I don't think a lot of people know is that their second best receiver still caught... Uh, a lot of balls for over a thousand yards so they've got uh, another guy in the room that was uh, really really solid for them last year as well the second best receiver actually had 19 more receptions than the leading receiver did so arizona's offense is uh knows how to how knows how to throw the ball around i think it's going to be a fun game because it's in mississippi state if this was in tucson i would be having a a much different uh, opinion on this game I'm going to say state wins simply because it's at home. I think that if it was in Arizona, this would be this would be bad bad news for Zach Arnett and company. Well, you look at last year, state went on the road to Arizona and they won 39-17. Yeah, but the, the, that yes, was a team. That's a that was a an Arizona team in year one. Yeah, having rebuild the the expectations were on the floor. They got so much better over the course of the year. And look, I think Delora is going to outplay Will Rogers in Will Rogers' new offense. Arizona's going to beat State in Week 2. Really? Okay. I like Mississippi State. I do. I like like them to get off to a good start in 2023 with those two home games back-to-back. The wideout against Arizona, I think it'll be... It'll be loud there in Starkville. I think it'll be... It's a night game. that They're going to be up and ready for that. I take Mississippi State to start the year 2-0, and then you roll into Week 3 for an 11 a.m. kickoff... When Brian Kelly and LSU come to town. And I think that's where you're going to see this team get punched in the mouth early. Is That's just a really, really good football team in LSU. And Brian Kelly's building something in Baton Rouge. Yes, you're at home. It's an 11 a.m. kick. You never know what you're going to get out of a football team at 11 a.m. Yes, you're at home. It's going to be miserably hot in the state of Mississippi in middle of September. LSU's better coached, more talented, and just the better football team. I'll take LSU to beat Mississippi State in Week 3. Yeah, Arizona here is had a terrible defense for half a decade straight, and they bring three starters back from that unit. And so I'm curious to see what the transfers look like on that team because they brought in a lot of Pac-12 transfers. I think that's going to allow State to make the game competitive and eventually win it. And then next week, like you mentioned, I think that's a game where it's just it's just a reality check. I mean, obviously, you're two weeks into the season. It's not like, oh, we're going to win the SEC because we're 2-0 and and we've beaten Arizona one and, and, and Southeastern losing. <laughs> Sorry, 1-1. One <and> one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that LSU comes in here and the more experienced, more talented team, the better coach team, I think, right now. Uh, not, I don't think there's a lot of argument there. Uh, I think LSU comes in and wins probably handily. Yeah, I think I think LSU smokes them. I think LSU is just that much better, mm-hmm. and the talent it just look LSU is going to win that game by a lot, and all of a sudden we're teetering on what could be a rough Carter and Stark. Can, can we can we do a little game inside the game here? Can you do me a favor and can you just give me final score predictions for all of these games so that I can get a, <laughs> like a, a margin of defeat for every single? So very quickly, can we do Southeastern Louisiana and Arizona? Uh, I mean, it'll be like 56-14 against CELA, uh, okay. against Arizona. I think it'll be like a 35-31 game. Hmm. Uh, okay. The LSU game, 42-24. Okay. All right. It's not a bad score. I, I, I was going to say I, I sneakily think 
State can compete with LSU. I don't think they win, and I do think LSU will eventually win by double digits. But with Will Rogers as your quarterback, you're never truly out of it. And if State's defense can be what I think they can be, which can keep them at football games, then I think State can take this into the second half against LSU. I still am taking the Tigers to win this by double digits. But I think you could be looking at this at the fourth quarter where LSU has to pull away to make it look like a better win. And the reason they pull away is they look on the sideline and they go, oh, thank goodness, KJ Costello's not here anymore. Guys, we can actually win this game. No, 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 no. (laughs) They look at their own sideline and say, thank goodness Bo Pelini's not here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, dude, needed that man defense so badly, didn't you, Bo? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well... I have them losing to LSU. I think we all do, which then takes you, if you're Mississippi State, into a weird game. A very, very weird game. It's one of the two on the schedule that I think are the focal points for Mississippi State because the thing that the Modern thing that difference. bothered the thing that bothered Carter was I said that I could I'm trying to talk myself into Mississippi State making a bowl game. And I think this game is very, very important for Mississippi State to do that on the road at South Carolina in week four, their first road game of 2023, after what will probably be a loss to LSU. I think think South Carolina keeps them at arm's length the entire time. I think you're going to see a high-speed campaign Let's say a 38-28 kind of game. All right, 38 points. All right. Look, I mean, you're going you're going to South Carolina, which is a sneaky good environment. There's a lot of excitement with Spencer Rattler and that and that uh, team. I think South Carolina is going to be sneaky, pretty decent this year. I think South Carolina will win this game. I don't think they get to 38. I think that they cap out probably at like 31. I don't think that State's defense is gonna is gonna let Spencer Rattler walk all over them. Let me tell you why Mississippi State has a chance to go on the road and win this football game. Do you know who South Carolina plays the week before? They are on is the road in Athens <laughs> yeah. playing Georgia, where they are going to get manhandled for four quarters, where Georgia will hang however many points they want to, and Spencer Rattler will be running for his life. I'm think- so interested in this scenario where you have State hanging with LSU into the fourth quarter, but South Carolina is just going to get obliterated in that game. I'm not saying they get obliterated. You said Georgia could name their score, which to me sounds like you're, they're going to get blown out. Georgia against South Carolina, yeah, Georgia can name their score. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think I think South Carolina's got a better shot hanging in that game than State does against LSU personally. Hmm. That's an interesting debate. But there is a world where South Carolina is one and two when Mississippi State comes to town. If they drop the opener yeah. against North Carolina and Georgia when they lose to to Georgia and Athens. Their only win would be Furman. It would be a, almost a desperation game because the next week for South Carolina is on the road at Tennessee. God, that's South Carolina schedule. They're they're in the first, their second SEC home game is October 14th. Didn't we already do South Carolina? We did, I, didn't we? Did we? I don't think I we th- have. I think we... We I, did. That was I the second we team we did. And I don't remember what I picked. I'm, I probably picked South Carolina to beat Mississippi State. Yeah, I did too. 
Carter, so I, I will, I have, yeah, because I, I have South Carolina going seven and five. Carter's hatred for Ole Miss has just completely derailed anything that he remembers about the schedule game. He's <laughs> Carter has South his, Carolina going nine and three. Remind you, moment in the sun. Yeah, because so you I have, definitely I have, have Carolina beating, winning, beating UNC State, Florida A and M, uh, Missouri. I mean, I have them not losing in the back half of the uh, schedule. So to get back to Mississippi I think State. I do. I think they can win at South Carolina, but I don't think they do. I will take the Gamecocks to win that game at the end of September. And then Bama is losing to State Week 5. All right, let's move on to Western <laughs> Michigan. We can go ahead and knock that game out right now. Yeah. Bama, give me a score, Carter. <laughs> we'll pick the Alabama game before we go to break. It's going to be the most lopsided 31-17 game ever. Okay. We're just like... Alabama just controls the game on the ground mm-hmm. and state struggles to get anything going on offense. Awesome. I will take I'll take Alabama as well. Lance, I assume you do too. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we will take a break. We'll come back. We have the back half of the schedule for Mississippi State. Then we'll get into Florida as we play schedule game on a Tuesday afternoon here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. As we continue schedule game for Mississippi State in 2023, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird, we're joined by Lance Dahl. We got uh, a few more minutes before we get to our bottom of the hour break and start talking about Florida. And I'm really, really trying to find a way that Mississippi State can make a bowl game. It's becoming harder, but we're going to try <laughs> as we I have them. You're going to upset probably somebody in this room. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I won't pick it if I don't truly believe it. How about that? Yeah. Um, we've picked Mississippi State versus Southeastern Louisiana, Arizona, LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama. We'll go ahead and give them I've the got win. I've them at one and three right now, by the way, I believe. with the most One, one, one and four, actually. One and four with the most fascinating point differential I don't think they're going to be good man no. I really don't okay well give me a score for Western Michigan here which is the next game on the schedule after Alabama which we all give them a victory for yes West Virginia or Western Michigan 40, was 5 and 7 last year 41 17 all right Mississippi State thank you Okay, so we move on. And you have them dominating group of five teams. I have stayed at 3 <laughs> and Michigan's 3 Western Michigan's about to be trash. Yeah. They're about to be awful and also Southeastern Louisiana like Ron Roberts, those who know, know. Anyway. They're an FCS team, right? I believe? Yeah, but 56 points is a lot, Carter, for a team that you don't think is going to go go like 3-9. and nine. Brian Harson scored 60 on Akron in year one. Yeah, well, they went 6-7. and seven. This team's clearly worse than them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just screwing around. All right, there's a bye week on October 14th after Western Western Michigan. They will win the bye. I'll give you that. All right. No, they won't. Can you give me a final score for the bye? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> final scores for the bye, gentlemen. So that we oh can. Oh my gosh. 42-10. Right. <laughs> so I have State going three and three when they take the trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And this is the other game that I mentioned on the schedule. I talked about South Carolina. I think this one is pivotal for mississippi state as well for the season to be successful and for absolutely no reason whatsoever i will say that somehow some way coach arnett and will rogers will go to fayetteville arkansas 
and outduel KJ Jefferson because Rodgers is a much better quarterback than he is, and Mississippi State will beat Arkansas on October 21st so in Fayetteville. What you're telling me here is that Travis Williams' defense will get shredded by Will Rodgers. The worst pass defense of the nation last year, taken over by a former Auburn Tiger, will get destroyed by Will Rogers. I don't think it'll get destroyed, but destroyed, I think Will Rogers will win. Dominated, dominated, he said. I think Rogers will win, and Mississippi State beats Arkansas on the road. What does that mean? Four touchdowns, five touchdowns, six or seven, depending on right, how oh far this goes. Okay, <laughs> okay good <laughs> gracious! But kidding, uh, kidding. I Maybe. think I think it's a very realistic possibility that Mississippi State goes in here and wins. I mean, this this is not a talent depleted roster. I mean, across the board, it's still a good defense. It's a great quarterback that they have. They got decent skill position players to go along with them. This could happen, especially with Arkansas, if their defense is terrible once again. What's your pick? I'm picking the Razorbacks simply because I do. <laughs> Dude, this long explanation of why they're going to win and fade, Bill. Why, and why, I'm picking Arkansas. Why they could, because Arkansas, at home, on top of this, I think that their defense will be improved. And I do yep. respect I, K- I do respect Mississippi State and, and what they have in Will Rogers. K.J. Jefferson, I think, is going to be able to alongside their plethora of running backs. If I'm not mistaken, Rockets, Rocket. Rocket Sanders back for another season. He's yeah. currently in some mock drafts, a first-round pick. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be – I'm, I'm going to take the Hogs at home here. I don't feel great about it, but I'm, I'm going to take the Hogs. I've got Arkansas on this one. I just think K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders are more dynamic and better than any duo you can piece together on the state side of things. we got to pick it up just a little bit. We're running out of time. Mississippi State on the road at Auburn. I don't think any of us in this room are picking Mississippi State. I think Auburn will. 28-23 Arkansas on that one. 28-23 Okay, interesting. We all taking Auburn at home against Mississippi State October 28th. I think that will be a – that has a chance to be a big game for Auburn where they can just dominate an SEC team. They would have to play really well defensively because of Will Rogers. 31-21 Auburn. Okay, Okay. interesting. 31-21 Auburn. Okay, they could get up maybe like, I don't know, 28-3. We could feel be feeling really good about ourselves, you know, and then Will Rogers does his thing. That could happen too. It could, but it won't because Auburn's winning that football game. Mississippi I all the State that Lance's predicting Peyton Thorne's going to break his ankle in the third quarter. I did not say that. <laughs> what <laughs> you implied? <laughs> listen, 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 listen. I think that Auburn will dominate this game. How about that? I like okay. it. There you go. After that, State comes back home for a homecoming, much, a much needed game. <laughs> <it's> a home- <laughs> <laughs> November fourth, homecoming against what could be a top twenty-five team. What? What? Here. Kentucky comes to town. Where one person? Yeah. Well, well, Lance, who are you picking in this football game? Uh, Kentucky. No, yeah, but actually, I think Kentucky's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it pretty handily. Screw State for picking this homecoming. <laughs> I feel offended. Personally. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I feel? I feel like four touchdowns from Devin Leary. One of them could be on the ground if you'd like. I think that Barry and Brown will go for one sixty. And State will turn the ball over four times. Well, Lance, because I have Mississippi State beating Arkansas, they don't need this Kentucky win. Woo! I'm going to say Kentucky comes in and beats Mississippi right, State. Real tough. Kentucky wins 27-20. All right. Okay. Mississippi State, we have about a minute and a half, gentlemen. On the road at Texas A&M, quickly. Uh, A&M. 31-24 A&M. A&M as well. Southern Miss. Any chance Southern Miss walks into Starkville and gets the upset? No. Don't do it, Carter. Don't do it. Do it, Carter. 23-21, <laughs> Southern Miss. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. 
And then they will lose one of Arizona and Southern Miss. I will say that right here. That's not a horrible bet. Man, they we're won't. writing stuff. Oh, we're writing a lot of Carter predictions down today. Yes, we are. <laughs> and then the Egg Bowl at the end of the year. This is the game that a Mississippi State wins on my schedule. They will be going bowling. Give me the Bulldogs to beat Ole Miss. It's in Starkville. Give me Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl to go bowl. This to is gross. between the lesser of evils. This is gross. 24-21. No, I'll say 27-24 Ole Miss. Okay. After all the just crapping you've done on Ole Miss, you're gonna, you think they're going to win this game? Yeah, because state, state's going to be two and nine going Ladies into this and game. Mississippi it's going to be state. two and nine versus three and eight. Two and ten, according to yours truly, Carter Bird. Two and ten, Mississippi State. That's disrespectful. Ooh. Yeah, I, I will be taking. I, I think in reality, I I would say three and nine. I will be taking. I'd say three state and nine. to win this game. I will be taking state over I, Ole Miss. I think they can get one of Arizona and Southern Miss, but I think they lose everything else. I have Mississippi State going bowling. Carter has them at a three and nine. What does that put you at, Lance? I think it's five and seven. I think it's five and seven. I'm gonna have to check. Okay, we'll double check when we get back. Plus, we get to talk about the Florida Gators. Should be interesting on the other side. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line as we play schedule game, and it just gets kind of dumber by the minute, it seems like. Uh, talking about, we just wrapped up Mississippi State, where if you might missed it. the biggest doom and gloomer in the SEC. You really are. <laughs> you really, really are. All of your teams except South Carolina are just bad. Um, we just finished up Mississippi State looking at the 2023 football schedule. I have them going 6-6. Six and six. Carter has them going 3-9, and nine, and Lance has them going 5-6. and six. And Lance, you took down the stats for Carter really quick on the Mississippi State schedule. Read those before we get to the phone lines. Yeah, so he gave us score predictions for all of his games here. Overall, State will average 27.5. They will give up 28.6. That is a negative 1.1 margin there. And I actually am trying to pull it up because there was a very similar stat that I, I wrote an article about at Auburn Daily with Auburn. Uh, in them making a bowl game in 2021. We'll get back to that if I can find that. But against Power 5 competition, 23.5 points to 32.2 given up. So they get thrashed against really they've got a tough uh, schedule man uh, i don't i don't like it for for mississippi state and the boys you know who else has a tough schedule florida and we're going to get to that in just a second but terry has a really quick question and a comment about mississippi state 334-321-1390 terry what you got man uh do we have terry i got him now okay there we go go ahead terry and the dumber it gets i call right (laughs) um Lance made the comment Auburn to twenty get a twenty eight to three on this. I don't want Auburn to get a twenty eight three on Mississippi State. Um, you remember <laughs> happened last time Mississippi State came to Jordan Hare Stadium? Oh yeah, no, that that, that was, that was the uh, reference. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Wasn't it something mm-hmm. like that? I don't know if it's twenty eight to three, but something along those lines. That is exactly what that's it was. why. That's why I said that Lance was predicting that Peyton Thorne was would break his ankle in the third quarter. Yeah, I don't want no part of that. Now, look, Mike Leach is not there. God rest his soul. Um, you know, he he was he was an offensive genius, and uh, he made he made that quarterback special. So we'll see how it'll go. But I I just don't I just don't buy it, guys. And Carl, I know you're making fun of my Auburn pick over Georgia. So you know, but uh, you 
I, I don't know. I guess I'm just out there a little bit. You got to take a chance. I just, like I said, I don't think Auburn's going to win the West. I just think they're going to have a say so who does. Oh no, no, I, I, I agree with you there. I think that that's perfectly acceptable. I think, I think the Georgia win is a ambitious thing for Hugh in year one. This state team, the way their schedule lines up, I just, I don't see a lot of places to build a lot of momentum. Because there are yeah. strings of losses on this schedule that I think could derail it, and that's why I'm not very high on them. Well, and, and this is the comment, guys. If Hugh Freeze gets a chance to run a score for Mississippi State, he will. You know, ex Ole Miss coach, what they did to him, and, and that's what happened last time they were adjourned here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I said I think the Mississippi State game for Auburn has a chance for them to really just take out some steam and show some dominance. Um, if they get a twenty-eight three Lance, it'll be it'll be forty-two to three. I hope so. I sure hope so. Wow. Sure. Take care, wow. guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Terry. Good to hear from you. Uh three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Appreciate the call and comment. Let's jump into the Florida Gators because this one has a chance to be ugly. You remember what Florida uh did last year, and we know that I Billy Napier coming into year two already on the hot seat because year one didn't go as planned for the Florida Gators. And they start out with one of the toughest games in week one on the road at Utah. Uh, Utah just drags them up and down the field for 60 minutes and beats them, what, like 41 to 17? Just just asserts their will on them for four quarters. I think Utah will command it. I think Utah will win it. And Florida will start. 0-1 against Utah. Can we talk for a second before we truly dive in past this Utah game about what uh, what Florida will be working with at quarterback here with Graham Mertz? Uh, They'll be working with the worst quarterback in the league. So I just Graham Mertz and then some dude that they've uh, backup that was really bad last year and then some dude that they like found like two months ago. Isn't is Jack Miller still here or is he gone from Ohio State? Fact check that for me, Carter. While I while I just talk about just scrolling through Graham Mertz's uh, his game logs here, is he Jack is he Miller there? is there? All right, cool. They've got an Ohio State quarterback on roster. Maybe he's the next Joe Burrow. But his first two games as a starter at Wisconsin, Graham Mertz seven touchdowns against Illinois and Michigan combined. Uh, Wisconsin was two and zero in both of those games. He had a seventy four percent completion percentage. For the rest of the season, Graham Mertz's total statistics, nine touchdowns to five interceptions and a 61.1% completion percentage in 2020. By, by the way, Jack Miller last year, in his only game that he had any action for Florida, which was the ball game, mm. 13 of 22, 180 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. As remember, they kicked the last second field goal to lose 30-3 to to keep their non-shutout streak the, alive. Gotta keep the streak alive. Softest, boy. Thing, softest thing I saw in college football last year. In his sophomore season, uh, technically, with the uh, with the Badgers, 11, t- or 11 interceptions, 10 touchdowns, and then this past season, I believe he had 19 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. So he turned it around. He turned it around, but uh, uh, Jacob, this is still a, a very mediocre quarterback at a very mediocre school. Florida went six and seven overall last year, three and five in conference play. They ended the season on a three-game losing streak that included a loss to Vanderbilt at Florida State and then Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl, which Carter just mentioned, thirty to three. 
You look at the start of 2023, I think they lose at Utah. Carter, I know you think they lose at Utah. I think they get dominated. Lance, any chance Florida wins week one at Utah? No? No. All right. No, no, no. Well, they start 0-1. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt in week two at home against McNeese. Yes. Then, Tennessee comes to town, and the best quarterback in in, in the SEC, not college football, in SEC, Joe Milton. I had him on my list going in. He is... As high on Joe Milton as anybody on earth. I've got the list. I have the list right here. I think he might have Joe Milton winning the Heisman. I said there's a chance he could be in New York if he plays well and Tennessee has a good Mm -hmm. year. There's a good chance. Tennessee wins this game, though. Tennessee wins this game easily. Would you, would, would Carter? Would you like to do score predictions for these as well, or do you do you Uh, think it's just such a lost cause? Okay, give me the first two. I'll go. Well, I said what forty-one seventeen in the Utah game where Utah just dominates them. And then, I'll go. Where you remember Florida won that game McNeese, last year? McNeese, like, well, let's go fifty-two to six. <laughs> All right. And then uh, Tennessee, we will go thirty-eight to twenty-four. That's such a. Uh, that might have been the score of the game last year. Actually, no, 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 because Florida scored a late touchdown. The Tennessee game. Yeah. It was thirty-eight, thirty-three. Next week after that is Charlotte. Give them the win. If you want to give a score, you can. 42-20. Okay. Then they Florida goes on the road to Lance. You'll like this game. On the road in Lexington to take on the Wildcats. Not a chance on the planet. Uh, Florida scores more than 20 points in this game. Doesn't score more than 20 points. 27-17. Kentucky. All right, there you go. I'll take 31-17 Kentucky. All right. I think Devin Leary has his way. Can we get a go, go Cats in the room before we move on? Then Florida goes to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, that was great. Then, then Florida goes, uh, comes back home. They have a really weird schedule. It's stacked up really weird. They start on the road. You get some games back to back to back at home. And then pretty much from there out, it's just kind of back and forth. Um then Florida comes home homecoming. for Vanderbilt homecoming. Yeah, Vanderbilt wins this game. They do, Carter. They I, do. Uh, Reminder: fine. You both had Vanderbilt fine. going seven and five fine. in our schedule game. Fine. Join the dark fine. side, Carter. Twenty-four, twenty-one, Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Vanderbilt this year, I didn't even have them winning this game. I will take Florida to somehow save Billy Napier's job for another week because if they lose to Vanderbilt, I think they'd fire him on the spot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, some people think that he's safe no matter what, which I think is absurd. Especially now that I've switched the Vanderbilt game into a loss, what their record's going to end up on in my book? What does yeah, that? Okay, before down. we go to the back half of the schedule, what does that give us, Florida? Uh, two and four for me. Yeah, two and four. Two I have and them four. I have them three and three because they get the uh, the Vanderbilt win. No, they don't. Don't don't lie to yourself, Jacob. Come on, stop. <laughs> I let Lance Lance peer pressure me into that one a little bit. Well, you had to. You predicted. I had. That. Yes, I know. But what are you going to ba- go back against your word, Carter? We don't do that. I here think on it's the a line. coin toss game. Before we twenty four twenty one, you flip the coin winner. again, and yeah, sorry. Before we pick the other games, why is Florida going to be bad this year? Why is it that we're picking them to lose almost every game they play? Because I don't think they got that much better. The defense will be a little bit better. Um, quarterback, you get significantly worse. Yep. So you like they won. They went what 
six and seven last year. Six and, and seven last Anthony year. Anthony Richardson drugged that corpse of a team to some wins. Three and five in conference play. Here's some. They don't have that anymore. Here's some hard hitting analysis as to why Florida will not be a good team. They don't got that dog in them. Let's move on. Also, what happens if Graham Mertz gets hurt? Uh, Jack Miller is your Heisman candidate. <laughs> Joseph Burrow style quarterbacking underneath Billy Napier. G5 oh, Billy, God. as they call him. And it is crazy to look at that in year two. And we're going to hear this. Next year. We're going to hear this next week in Nashville <laughs> at SEC Media Days. Billy Napier is going to feel the heat, I promise, because people are going to ask him, Are you the right fit? They're going to ask him, Can you turn it around at Florida? They're going to ask him those questions. Uh, Lance Dahl with Auburn Daily Coach, are you fit for this job? Just hey, the uh, Coach, um, so why are you trash? Like, are you why? going to survive this year? Like that's those are legitimate conversations that will be had this time next week at SEC Media Days. Would that 16-year-old have saved your season in 2023 had he not flipped to Ole Miss? He just says yes. There's a bunch <laughs> of silence, and then they move on. And then they move on. It's he is going to have a, a a rough day. I feel at Media Days just because again the season last year didn't go like you wanted it to. Six and seven. And this year just doesn't look like it's going to be any better. This is going to be so funny what my record ends up as now. <laughs> you have them. You're, you are a doom and gloom when it comes to SEC. You think There's the conference gonna is going to be terrible. No, I think the top end is going to be pretty good. I think, I think collectively, I think I've said this, I think the conference is going to take a decent step backwards. It is going to take a step back. But you have everybody either in the college football playoff or firing their head coach it's all to set up the I have narrative. a nine and three team and that's the best record so far through like five teams well, yeah, we be, haven't gotten to the good ones well, yet yeah to be fair we've we've predicted a bunch of relatively mediocre to bad teams so far so carter will get his day he'll get his day soon but i think this is vanderbilt's truly, my second best team right now <laughs> this is truly setting up for carter to play the narrative in 2024 as to why texas will win the league first year in the sec absolutely not i think he's going <laughs> Yeah, now nah, he he actually believes in Oklahoma that they're really going to be successful in year one. Oklahoma, so Oklahoma is about to come into the SEC and become just the most pretty good team ever. The, they're going to be eight and four for all of eternity. The new A and M, literally better. Literally, I, I agree. Well, actually, I would, I think it has looked better with A and M. But anyway, we, <laughs> let's let's just go to the bye week. Do they win the bye week? <laughs> Wait, Wait, we we haven't done South Carolina. No, we haven't. Forget about South Carolina for a second. They're gonna lose at South Carolina. (laughs) We'll pick South Carolina before we go to break. On the road to South Carolina after what you guys have as a loss to Vanderbilt, which would be a broken Florida team. Thirty-one twenty-one South Carolina. Is this on the road at South? Yes, it it is. is. Yeah, give me the Gamecocks. See, I'm going to take South Carolina, but I'm going to take them by more than 10 points. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a field day against Florida. What was your score, Carter? Thirty-one twenty-one. All right. Yeah, I'll take South Carolina easily. Easily. They will win the bye week, though. Congrats, Florida. By, like, you'll, what? You'll a field goal? 17-14. <laughs> off field goal against the bye week. When we come back, we'll pick Florida's schedule against Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, and Florida State in what's already seemed to be a bad year for the Gators in 2023. We'll talk about that and wrap it up when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
All right, we got to wrap up the show and schedule game for this week as Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky and Auburn Daily joins us. It will be a tradition that we carry on until football season. We will probably take a step aside next week with SEC Media Days, but we'll pick it back up on the week following that. Uh, we have Florida. I'll, I'll just call Lance on the show, and we will just do it by ourselves. Well, we'll have Lance on the show, but we'll have him talking about Kentucky <laughs> and SEC schools? Media Days. What is Academies? life without schedule game? I mean, genuinely. Exactly. Yeah, I love how we've we've – created just picking wins and losses giving it such a a weird term and we don't even have a hotkey for it yet we need to have like a really cool hotkey i'll make it for you guys if you want. i'll work on that i'll work on that because i there's nothing else going on so i'll uh, i'll work uh, on that and make sure game. make sure we get that built into the rotation but uh coming into the georgia game for florida their schedule's not good the record's not good there is no chance in jacksonville florida neutral site that florida wins this game georgia will do their thing and they will make florida be embarrassed yes Score. 31 nothing wow the streak ends here ladies and gentlemen i am purely doing that because that field goal last year is the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen on a football field all right well florida's given up 31 points in back-to-back games and did i say 31 or did i say 34 uh, I think you said 31 34 30 let's go 30 you said 31 i did can we make it 35 just for me please Okay, 35. Thank you, Carter. <laughs> Do you want to go to 38? You, you want to keep pushing it up? I like Can 30, I get I like 40? <laughs> I, I like 35. It's going to be 56 nothing. Well, I think that there's a drive in there that maybe they get a field goal, Georgia does, but I, it, it sounds much more complete if we just say, yeah, Georgia had five touchdown drives and they just beat The first Florida five drives ball. of the game. Yeah, and just, they just quit trying. And then they just trot out a receiver at quarterback and they just let it, let it go for. You remember that time Clemson threw out a punter and he like threw a really nice, like, sideline pass against georgia tech no but I'll, i don't i'll i'll believe you i'll That's take your word on it it was like 66 to 7 hang on hang on we'll we'll we'll, we'll move along i recall this actually did did Davo's son catch the pass too i think it was <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right sounds about right well coming into the arkansas game i have florida with a whopping three wins you guys have them with two wins yet to get a power five victory and they won't does Florida have a chance to beat Arkansas at home on November 4th? I mean, they do. They have a chance. Will this, they? Wait, 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 wait. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is, boys. It's Graham Mertz throwing for four touchdowns and winning them the game. This is where this is. No, his, no, no. This it's is Graham moment. Mertz throwing for four touchdowns and losing 31-28. Dang. All right. <laughs> 31-28 is his guess. Uh yeah, I'll pick I'll pick I'll I will pick Florida to win this game just because there has to be one game where Mertz goes crazy. But only I, one. I don't think it's going to happen. But only one. And you're picking it to be the Arkansas game. Yeah, I like Arkansas November. I think November Arkansas is going to win that game. I'll take Oh, I don't like it. Oh, I don't yes, like do. it. Pick it. I'll take Florida at home. Yeah. I don't like it, that's but I'll take up. the Gators at home against Arkansas. In between games against Georgia and LSU, that's what I like to see. Sure, because it makes total sense. Then they go on the road at LSU, no shot. Well, here's where the narrative switches, where I believe Florida currently has three wins, and if they get three to win the season, I believe that makes them bowl eligible, if my math is correct. So Florida fans will all of a sudden be like, Mertz is playing well, he, he, he tossed a few touchdowns against Arkansas, let's go beat LSU, and then they will get destroyed 
worse than you could ever possibly imagine. Against 34-10 LSU. LSU. All right. Can we make it 35-10? <laughs> Quit trying to talk me out of 34. <laughs> I don't like the number. I think LSU is just too good. I think they're too talented, much better coached. I will take LSU all day and night in Baton Rouge against Florida. I think the last winnable game on the schedule for the Gators is when they go on the road to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Tigers. What do you guys think, November 18th? I'll, I'll let you go first. Brady Cook, Graham Mertz. What a sexy quarterback battle that is. Yeah, that's beautiful. I believe right that there. was my 14th and 13th best Ooh. quarterbacks in the SEC can on we, my list. Can we make it 15th? Or just like just can we just add another quarterback that's not an SEC? Actually, no. We talked about this. Can we add backups in in this ranking? Because <laughs> Gra- Graham Mertz wouldn't be 14th. He'd be like 20th. He'd be lower than that. Maybe. Do We should do this. Let's do this at Media Days. Oh, my gosh. Do this on Florida. Take the now. entire Ole Miss quarterback room, including the 12-year-old. Holy cow, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. This I'm so going to take Florida I'm on the road Florida to Missouri. Too. Yeah, I, I, just don't like, I just don't trust Brady Cook. Florida's not having a 2-10 season like Carter wants them to have. They will win a couple 20, of games. 24-20 Missouri. Gosh. At this point in time, their will is broken. They haven't won a game since since Charlotte. On, well, it's not like Missouri's going to be on anything. September twenty third in my in my schedule. Missouri's no. not going to be excited. But at least they're at home. Well, listen, listen. After that, he gets fired after the Georgia game. Florida will pull in Auburn. They'll bring in a former player to coach the team as an interim, and they'll go two and two. Tim Tebow, I was just about to say, head Tim coach. Tebow, Tim interim Tebow. head coach. Do you think this team would win against Missouri or Arkansas if Tim Tebow was the head coach? Yeah. Zero chance. Zero what? Such differing opinions. <laughs> Zero chance. I have yeah. them beating both of those teams anyway. You're Zero be, chance. You, you phrase that as if Tebow would be a better coach. Like you're saying it's a more dire situation with Billy Napier. You bring in Tebow, all of a sudden they just flip a switch. I think at this point in the season, if it's going as bad as we say it is, it would be a Cadillac Williams-esque type of situation where the the team and the fan base would rally so much behind Tim Tebow. I don't think Billy Napier's as hateable as Brian Harson is. He's not, though. And That's I agree. That's what I think helped galvanize it. But he will be at this point if they go 2-8 and eight like you have them going. Tell me Tim Tebow's coaching background at all doesn't matter okay <laughs> doesn't matter he's jeff saturday all right in this situation on his wikipedia page you know we talk about having that dog in him it literally is like one of the first couple of sentences he's got that dog in him they can win a game dog they can they can rally the troops and beat missouri if tim tebow walked in the door yeah straight dog gets florida the victory over missouri i have them winning that game anyway with billy napier as the head coach which then brings them back home for the final game of the year against Florida State, who how, we all think is going to be much improved. How cruel would this be if Florida won this game? How cruel would this be to Florida State's season? What planet do you live on? They're losing 45 to 13. Carter, I'm not game. predicting it. I'm not predicting it. I'm just obliterated possibility out. You have to look at both sides here, Carter. Come on. Come on. I have Florida <laughs> I have Florida going back to back five and seven. Pink no, Florida. just kidding. <laughs> I have Florida with five wins on this schedule because they're not beating Florida State. I'm the angel on Carter's shoulder because there's already a devil there. We can tell by his prediction. And he hates that you're there. He hates it. He he can't stand it. it. Pick Florida. You talked (laughs) me into Florida losing to Vanderbilt earlier. We could go two for two here, Carter, if you had just joined the team. Are you legitimately picking Florida? I'm not picking Florida. But I think it would be hilarious if Florida State's season was ruined. Tim Tebow leads Florida to an upset over. 
a playoff-bound FSU team and derails their season, it's, apparently. It's a rainy day in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Listen. What a disaster. Tim Tebow will get out there. He'll cover himself in mud again just to get everybody hype. No, no. He's going to be crying like he was that time against Alabama. Jordan Travis looks like Jeremy Johnson trying to hold on to the football. It just all goes crazy. And that would be that, – that's a that's Who's going to cover the – Six seven avatar human that plays receiver for FSU. He'll slip out of his break. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Predicting a world I want to live in right now. Jeez. All right, well, I've got two and ten, Florida. I've got three and nine. I have them with five no, wins four and eight, four and somehow. I have them oh, yeah, at five and seven. Missouri. Five and seven somehow. Schedule game in the books once again. Lance Dahl, Locked On Kentucky, Auburn Daily. Go check him out. Oh, man. We got to pick some better teams in the SEC. Come back tomorrow. We have some great guests from 2 to 4. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.